Welcome to the Recover You Podcast. I'm Kyleen. And I'm Patrick. We are a couple in recovery. From sex addiction. And betrayal trauma. Together we share our story to encourage you on your journey. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. All right, welcome everyone to a new episode of Recover You, season two. Woohoo! <laughs> so we are we are very excited. I feel like we are rejuvenated, refreshed, and we've up leveled a little bit, rested, yeah. up leveled. We've up leveled in a lot of ways. Focused. Yes. Are we ready to go? <laughs> I think we are ready to go. But we tell have... me about this up leveling. So we've up leveled our uh, our equipment. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we just well, we just took twenty minutes trying to. Uh, yeah, I'm Captain Obvious, and you're not Captain Obvious. You're like, what are you talking about? Yes, do our voices sound extra rich today? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, the, with the uh, support and assistance and gracious help of our podcast editor, we have uh, improved and updated our equipment. So hopefully, the audio is coming to you more clearly and more beautifully if that's the right word <laughs> more rich more rich yes. um so yeah i have this uh podcast room in the house that we built in 2020 literally we've always called it the podcast room because my uh idea was to have a recording room and a podcast room and we uh soundproofed the walls or whatever it was they did to make it like thicker or whatever and we've just never used it keegan when we moved in he used it to play video games and um I always wanted a place that I could record music if I ever felt so inclined. And um, so finally, we we got all this stuff. And so I'm excited to fiddle around with it. Now, mm -hmm. te the technology piece is not my forte. So like the systems and stuff that we had to set up to do this was like, that. that's where I kind of go, ah. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're basically, you may consider yourself lucky that you're hearing this, but it is <laughs> yes. a, it's a miracle. Well, it's again, it's thanks to our podcast editor. Yep, yep. He hopped onto Zoom with me this morning mm -hmm. and was like, push this button, push this button, and this is how <laughs> you record. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out really well. So thank you, John. Okay, so today's episode, we are going to talk about the importance of authenticity. So I'm excited about that. Um, this just sort of came about. I don't, do you do New Year's resolutions? Um, somewhat. I try not to put too much stock in them. Like it, I, I did come up with a couple, but I was already moving on them before the new year hit, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. already thinking about it, that sort of thing. Have you ever heard of people doing the word of the year? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, we've, I don't know. I Keegan used... and I did that. Oh yeah, that's right. You did yeah. do that a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah. And mine was recovery. I can't remember what his was. Uh, stretching. Stretch. Yeah. Like growth minded. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, okay, so uh, I wrote down a couple things, like a couple, it, it wasn't necessarily resolutions per se, it was just, you know, the end of the year or the beginning of year is always a good time to sort of review, like, what happened in the past year, and where are you, and where do you want to go, and so I wrote some goals down for some things that I wanted to focus on and, and shift in my business and, you know, different things like that, and um but I didn't, I don't, I don't typically do like, you know, the word of the year or anything, but it just sort of happened that the word authenticity sort of dropped into my, <laughs> I sound all woo, but I am, Dro it like dropped into my consciousness, mm -hmm. you know, and sure. um, 
I wasn't like trying to come up with a word. And what's so funny is we just re-recorded the intro for the podcast and we use that word in the intro. So yeah. it's, um, but let's talk about that because you and I sort of mutually discussed this recently about, I feel like 2024 for us is going to be the year of just total authenticity and how I think our story plays into that and how we feel about that as a couple, but then going through what we've gone through and choosing to go public and, um, how nerve wracking that was, but like how fine we are now with it, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, when you think about that word and particularly now where we are in recovery and moving forward, mm-hmm. um, what do you think about that? Well, I think it, it, it can mean many things obviously, but uh, you know, I think to me, I was actually, uh, I had a session with my therapist today and, and we were talking about, uh, living in congruence with with your inner self and your outer self and so and it's it, it it's basically there are no um you are who you are and you accept who you are you're not trying to be something different you're not trying to hide things you are um liking what you like you are communicating what you need to communicate um and i and i think when you can truly live in that state people see it and they view you in an authentic way. I think there's a, you know, it's a, you know, you could argue like, well, being authentic means speaking your mind all the time. Like, well, I don't know if I would include being mean as being authentic. You know what I mean? I think, I think it's a, um, I think being authentic. It can be sometimes. Well, I think, but that's not the definition per se. Right. Right. I think, I think it has more to do with, with you are comfortable with who you are, right? Mm -hmm. You are very comfortable with who you are. You've done, um, a lot of work to try to figure out you know what you um, represent from a value standpoint and then you live into those values and you and you are um, kind to both yourself and to others yeah I think a word that goes really well with authenticity is integrity right like you're mm-hmm. living in integrity so we we um, watched this video recently a uh, real short uh, clip of someone speaking and it was really. I think it's good to kind of bring it into this conversation. He was talking about a law in physics. It's called constructive interference. And it's the, well, it's, I was going to say it's the idea. It's the law. <laughs> it's, a, it's the law in physics that um, when you have two frequencies of equal wavelengths and they meet each other, the size doubles. And if you think about that in relationships, I mean, you feel that, you see that, right? When, um, Gabor Mate talks about people finding uh, other uh, par- par- their partners at the same level of trauma that they have, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like a frequency thing. It's a vibe. It's a it's a healing thing. And and you also you notice it like when you're around people, right? And like if you one of the things this guy says towards the end of the video is that you can feel when someone is being authentic. Right. And I totally 100% agree with that because you and I have had conversations where I will, you know, kind of get the vibe from somebody. I was like, I don't really feel like they are being totally authentic. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, you can see that. You can feel it. There's something to that. And what he was kind of describing was um, there was a study that was done where um, there's a Faraday cage, which is, which is where uh, no. Uh, like Wi-Fi, no wavelength, like nothing can come into that space. It's like a completely dead space. There's nothing that can interfere. 
and they put people in it to study. And what they found was, you know, every emotion we have has a frequency and they can tell what you're thinking or feeling feeling more specifically based on the frequency that they would measure come from your body. And he said, what was the most powerful frequency? And I would have guessed love, Mm -hmm. right? I've Mm -hmm. always kind of thought, oh, that's like one of the highest frequencies is love and compassion, right? And you feel that and you radiate that and you want to live into that. And that's what everybody's trying to sort of um, live into, right? Is like connection to love and connection to God and loving others. And even like biblically, you're like, okay, well, God is love, right? Like we should love our neighbors. And like, that's gotta be like the highest frequency, right? But he actually said four times more powerful than the frequency of love is the frequency of authenticity. Hmm. And I'm just like, whoa. (laughs) I mean, that's intense. That's like, I feel like that's really powerful, but okay. But then going back to the spirituality part of it, go ahead. Is that a, is authenticity maybe a a degree of self-love? For sure. Yeah. But then also when you think like spiritually, okay, God is going to have all of the highest frequencies, right? So he's Mm -hmm. obviously love, but authenticity is also truth. And it's very clear that God is truth, right? Is his whole being and his whole essence is truth. And so you could say another way maybe, or think of maybe another way of living authentically is constantly living in alignment with truth and with your Mm -hmm. values, right? And so I think that's really just such a profound thought, Mm -hmm. particularly with the things that we are talking about here in this podcast and with people who have gone through addiction recovery or our are going currently through addiction recovery or betrayal recovery because it's such a scary process and we see this so often on both sides it's like i'm so afraid of people finding out i'm so afraid of my wife finding out Mm -hmm. and then the wife is like so afraid of like her family finding out or her friends finding out or her church finding out or like there's so much fear right right and if you say you want to talk about frequency fear is at the low end of the Mm -hmm. spectrum Mm -hmm. right yeah um authenticity is really working through all the healing and getting to the place that um you can show up in life and really stand in that place and and um, be, like you were saying, like be who you are. And I think that's actually, it's the end result of, of real healing, but it's a huge part of practicing that while healing, right? Like you had, you had to like step out in faith in a lot of those situations to practice to, in order to essentially eventually become, yeah. or, or, or eventually to, get, to step into I, I almost said that you could argue I had to get feedback from the universe. On being, uh, you know, authentic. That like it was a fir- good thing, right? The first time I stood up in front of church and told my story, or sat in front of council, I was thinking about that the other day when I was trying to get the the group into into the one Lutheran church, and I had to sit in front of council, and I was so nervous, and I had typed out everything I was going to say. Remember, I read it, and because I was so nervous about it, but it was okay. We both did. We had like our yeah. scripts planned out. Like you read right. yours, I read mine. Yeah, we were yeah. like, this was hard because this was our church, our current church family, right. Right. and yeah. this was like putting it all out on the table, yeah. trying to yeah. share our story and be seen and be heard, and try to get this group in there. And that was right. really right. scary. But I think, I mean, let's just kind of <clears throat> talk up talking about our personal experience with this. We're, by the way, not ever, <laughs> just to clarify, never saying that you have to go public on social no, media. No, you certainly don't. Or or have a podcast about this or anything like that. Um, I think where there's maybe concern is when, let's say, let's say you get to a place where you feel like you are in recovery, but talking about it is still scary. Right. You know, um, 
And so that might be, to me, uh, the way the way I view the world and the way I live life, it's like I, that would be hard for me. That would be very, very hard for me because I would feel like I was living a double life. Mm-hmm. And while I was practicing getting comfortable with people knowing I was in that sort of in-between phase that I'm talking about where it's like, it's like I knew where I wanted to go essentially. Right. And we were practicing it and putting it out there and doing all this kind of stuff, but it still was hard. Right. Because somebody comes up to you and goes, Oh, like, well, what's your podcast about? Or, um, Oh, like what about this? And then it's, there's an opening, right? There's a door there for you to share your story or to make a comment or to, you know, Kylene, what do you do? Well, I work with, um, women, you know, and I coach them and I, I help them work through the trauma of betrayal in a relationship. Oh, really? Like, how did you get into that? Right. Yeah. And then you yeah. have to be, go, Oh, well, it was my own story, you know? Yeah. And so when I was kind of navigating that, um, it, it was, it was, you know, hard for a little bit of time, but I think what, what, what I'm trying to communicate, not very well, I fear, but what I'm trying to communicate is after that was, those were intentional steps and processes that, coming now at at the beginning of 2024, I look back at all of those moments and all of those practices because I wanted to live a life of authenticity. Like I wanted to get to this Mm -hmm. place where I'm like, great, like pretty much the entire world knows my story. Right. And like, I'm not, I'm not ashamed about it. I'm proud of it actually. Like I'm, I'm really glad that we did it this way. Now, again, that's not right for everybody. I'm not saying this is the road for everybody. Um, But for me and my life and the choices that we were making, wanting to help people, um, wanting to provide a path to healing, wanting to do coaching, all those things, it, you know, it made sense for us to do it the way we did it. Um, And I think what I'm trying to communicate, again, not very clearly, is I think the end result of feeling so in aligned with what I do for work and what my story is and who I am and not being afraid that somebody's going to find out, right? Like, it's okay. If somebody knows, it's okay. And here's the, like, the other thing to that, the other piece to that. If at any point, and we really thankfully haven't really experienced this, but if at any point someone was like, um not okay with the fact that well actually i take that back we have a little bit experience like people don't really agree with the way that we've done things right right? they don't i don't think everybody is like cool that we talk about it so freely (laughs) um well i think there's been people close to you like man why do they got to talk about it so much you know yeah 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 um but i think you know, deeper than that, if somebody's going to come at you for it, then you're like, or, or, or more specifically, if somebody's going to go, um, shame you or make you feel bad or, um, say negative things about you sharing your story or something like that, then you're just like, okay, well, do you, yeah. Do you want to be friends with those people anyway? Like you want to be surrounded by people that want you to be authentic. Well, I can bring it back. You know, you, you, you're talking through the authenticity of, of being able to share it publicly and talk about your story. I could say a little bit more with myself as I've always wanted to be. And I think I've been known as this most of my life as a, as a good guy, a guy that's really helpful, a guy that's upbeat and happy and is safe. Well, clearly there was behavior that wasn't safe. Right. And so from an I, I was not living in authenticity there. And so as I as I as my story came out to those who didn't know it but knew that other part of me, it was hard for, for them to reconcile. You 
Keegan, you know, some of my friends and family and things like that. They were like, you, you know, how many times did you get, how many times did you hear when you heard Pat? Really? You know, like, like that, that sort of thing. So to me, an authenticity thing is, is not only am I safe now, I'm still a good guy, but it actually has depth to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can provide safety for you and for Keegan and for these groups. And and so I often think this in these groups when I'm running it. In, in a lot of cases, these groups may be the safest group of people that some of the folks that are attending the groups have ever experienced in their lives. Mm -hmm. And if I can do that because of my healing and because of where I'm at and because of how far we've come as a couple and things like that, that's an incredible gift and it's an incredible um uh, way to live and, and I think it you know once again the authentic what you're saying is the authenticity attracts can be very attractive not from a romantic thing but well, I mean it can be right. that way too yeah, I mean I yeah. think it's attractive just in in a general sense of the word right Correct. if you see yeah. someone that's just like they are who they are and they know it and they're mm -hmm. confident about it and they're not ashamed about it right it's very attractive um and like it doesn't have to be sexual, right? Just in a um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> just you admire people, right? Like I just sent you a little clip. It's like what is it? The person that owns the room, you know? You're like you yeah. can look at that person, you know, guy or gal, and go, wow, that really is. There's something to that, you know. Well, I just sent you a clip um, yesterday of Theo Vaughn, mm -hmm. um, and I. I thought you showed me the clip of the cat not knocking on the door. Was that not the clip you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. So um, for any of you that don't know, Theo Vaughn is a comedian and um, and he also has a podcast. And I was listening to his podcast the other day where he was talking with Tony Robbins. And um, in the middle of the podcast, he had an uh, he had, had a commercial for like a por pornography recovery program, and I screen recorded it and sent it to Patrick, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is really cool!" And but I was talking to you about that because I was like, the thing that actually what I think actually makes him famous and makes him likable, I would say, is his authenticity sure. because he will very freely and. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is kind of like humbly, right? Like it's not like this grandeur thing. Just open up about his life. And mm -hmm. he's like, I don't have all the answers, da, 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 you know, but like I used to do this, I used to do this, I used to be in drugs and alcohol and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, I've gone through this process of healing. And he says it in such a non judgmental way. And I think, I don't know if he would describe himself that way, but. To the world, I think it comes across as, wow, you're just, you're showing up very authentically. And that's a very attractive, likable thing. Mm -hmm. So I think bringing it back to like what we talk about with <clears throat> sex addiction, and, and also that's just side note, very cool because he's very famous that he's promoting this recovery program. Yeah. I think that's yeah. amazing. Um, but bringing it back to like addiction, I think that's probably one of the things where you're living least authentically, right? Like it's literally like, Jekyll and Hyde kind of um, war between parts and war between almost war against self. Right. Yeah. You have a you have a part of you that has an outsized influence, and that's what any compulsive behavior can be. You know, it has an outsized influence on your life. There's a lack of balance. There's a lack of of um, of you know. I guess you could argue doing the right thing. You don't want to shame anybody, but you know, like. That's what compulsive behavior does. It can lead to a whole series and a whole slew of things that that ends up hurting other people. And so, yeah, you're right. When you when you 
aren't talking into it freely and talking about what it's done. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you run the risk of, of not only not helping others, but not helping yourself as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and I think on the on the betrayed side, I think it is so hard because we it takes so much time. At least I mean, at least for me, as it's taken a long time to really get through certain layers of healing, right? And I think when you're in the pain part, um, it's it's um, you can be authentic in that, right? I think mm-hmm. where people struggle is like, how much do I share and what do I share yeah. and who do I share it with? And I think we should do maybe like a separate episode on that, talking about the importance of finding safe people um, and talking about it. Um, but I think what he- what healing really does is allows you to get to the place where you feel aligned again. And what I... Um, I guess what I worry about or what concerns me or, or what's hard is sometimes you might see or, you know, hear stories or whatever of, you know, I think sometimes there's these situations where couples will go through something that like we've gone through that's really, really hard and they'll get to a certain place in their relationship or in their recovery that is manageable. And so then they stay in that place kind of almost in like a survival place. Like I know how to manage this and it's okay and we're doing okay. And so we're just going to stay here versus really having that clear vision of health and authenticity and um, freedom in that. And I think that's the thing I'm trying to talk about here is the freedom that comes with living in authenticity and really continuing the healing process up until you get to that point. And I think the reason that that doesn't always happen is because it's really, really hard. It is very hard. And, and there's a there's a comfort from a known level of discomfort. Exactly. And so if you if you sit in that, you're like, well, you know, I could go deeper, but I, I didn't like that. And and so you, you get used to being there mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I can live with this. I can live with this. And, and it's very hard for people to really look forward and, and say, there is a better, a better, what, you know, a better place that I can be. Yeah. And so I was actually just talking to a client of mine about this the other day and we're kind of trying to break it down. Like, well, how do you make that happen? Right. And I think you start with the vision because if you have the vision of the relationship you want and the life you want and um, you know, how you how you want to feel and what's the identity actually that you want to step into and who's the person that you want to be and you get really clear on what does that look like. If you have that vision really clearly outlined, then you're going to be able to then identify the walls that are coming up in front right. of that vision. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, why do I feel like that's scary? What do I believe about myself? Do I think that like accomplishing that, like I'm incapable of doing that? Do I feel like I'm not worthy to be chosen? Do I feel like I'm not um, worthy to be seen or loved or valued? Do I not value myself enough to choose myself? Right. And that's a big one. When I, uh, in the Conquer, one of the very last things you do is you write a 10-year letter to yourself from 10 years uh on writing back to yourself now does that make sense yeah so so um, 
future you 10 years from now in recovery. Yeah. And I've never heard, and I always ask the guys to read them. And it's really wonderful because you can see the smiles on their face. I've never, no one has ever written a letter that says, well, I'm going to have a mediocre relationship with my wife. Um, it's all very positive visions. You know, we will love each other. If we, you know what I mean? Like everything is just super, super positive. And so, and that's just something that somebody said, you know, they don't go through a, you know, 12 week vision class. <laughs> they don't do anything. This is just their body kind of in their mind going through and thinking about what they want to be. And it really is a very authentic moment for them because then sometimes when you provide the destination in your mind, then it's easier to move through the pain that's that's there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like if you think about any sort of major objective, um, it may be really hard, but you know where you're going and that, that allows you to keep moving forward versus if you are just living day by day and not really kind of having a vision of where you want to be. Yeah, well, and I think going back to then how do you get there, mm-hmm. right? I think the vision has to be, you have to be moving towards something. There's actually, there's towards motivation and there's a way motivation. So what I'm talking about is towards motivation, right? It's like a very positive thing that draws you towards it. And the reason that's really important is because it will get hard. And so when it gets hard, what is going to keep you moving through that process? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I talk to my clients all the time about the idea that if you have the vision and something gets hard, but you know it's moving you towards the vision, then you're going to be willing to move through it. But if you um, have the vision and it's hard, and then you kind of analyze it, and you're like, actually, this is not moving me towards my vision, then okay, like don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps you get really clear on like, okay, when do I push through the things that are really making me uncomfortable? But getting there's a way motivation as well and so it's like sometimes it's like there are things that you don't want in life right right that are motivating and so i think there's benefit sometimes to having both i generally am gonna say like shifting something towards the toward motivation is going to be like a more positive mindset right than a the than a fear-based trying to avoid something in your life right Right, like if you were like just as an example like you were really trying to run away from the addiction right and yeah, that, that might still be a strong motivator now of like, I never want to go back there. But what's more motivating to you is the feeling of freedom that you have living the life that you do now. That's right. Yeah. 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 And a lot of times, and I think that goes back to why people get stuck at various stages of recovery is they've moved further away from maybe the worst part of what they liked versus like the, um, um, Versus, you know, what they really can live into and be happy with. So, yeah, that's you know, exactly and, and, right. And I, you know, I, I will, and, and I think this is always our criticism of some of these other, of these other uh, help programs like Every Man's Battle is, is that says, well, you can stop the behavior, but you'll never really be fine. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, no, you can actually stop the, both stop the behavior, and get to a point where it never pulls on you again, and you live this life of freedom. Like a normal person does, and you make good choices, you know, because society will throw things at you. And well, I actually you know, you think just, that's a right. In some, I well, obviously agree with you. Um, I think for a lot of people, that statement is going to sound shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. idea that you can be on in a full blown addict and get to a place in your life where it's not actually an issue for you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think society has played a role in that because um, the way culture talks about addiction, the way we view it is there's a disease model, which is probably what most people are familiar with. It's a disease. It's something you will always have, right? Versus the trauma model, which is what we 
view it as. Mm -hmm. And the trauma model says that there's a reason you got into it. You address the reason. You don't have to struggle with it anymore. That's right. And there may be exceptions to that rule as to how it works in somebody's um, life. But I mean, you're such a good example of this because you do have, like if you wanted to do disease model, quote unquote, you do have the genetics for addiction. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, yeah. You know it, that that certainly played a role in in the susceptibility. And, and so when we're saying this, like, I don't want to deny that physical part of it, like yeah, the tendency it, part of it, or the, or the susceptibility part of it, that some people might lean more towards addiction than others. That is true. That is real. Mm-hmm. But we just really believe that the trauma aspect plays a stronger role, right? I think, you know, the, the, and I don't know the origin behind them. People much smarter than me have come up with things like that or have, have determined those labels and, 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 and everything. And I think maybe in the sense of the disease model is maybe they adopted that term to lower the threshold of shame. Actually, I think that's my term. <laughs> yeah. So no, I've, 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 I've heard disease model. You. Yeah. So, you <laughs> know, ahead. so we don't want to shame people. We want to move with empathy towards people with compulsive behaviors it doesn't mean that you get that you have to get abused by them but we want to move with empathy towards folks they actually respond better when we you know drive with empathy and 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 understand well i always think it empowers people too right like we i think um i think it was like early on like episode seven or something when we were talking about the identity episode seven yeah our episode seven awesome when we were talking about the identity choosing your identity Mm -hmm. and um i think when 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 someone is really used to the disease model, they could go, well, that explains it, that answers that, that tells me why it's so difficult for me, right? And it's something that will always be difficult. To me, if you have struggled and been told that, and then you're told that actually, no, like it's something that you can be free of, I, I find that to be very empowering. And I would hope that most people would find that empowering. Mm-hmm. Now, as with anything beneficial... It takes a lot of fucking work, right? And that's 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 the hard part. Right, right. So that it's not like understanding that just all of a sudden means that it's easy, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just right. but it does it I think it solves yeah, so yeah. many struggles. Well, and there's, right? there's so much there you know, anything that you that you do takes work. Raising kids takes work. There's some hard times when you raise kids. A lot of hard times. And and but you know, if you do it right, you get Good kids, you have good connection with your kids. You know, uh, uh, in in a job, a job that has you know moving up in a job takes work. It takes time. It takes all of those things. And I've always talked about flying. It took me a year plus to learn how to fly and to do all the mission stuff. And it took even longer than that to get proficient at it. Right? And it wasn't always easy. And I got lost. And sometimes I'd start the aircraft with no fuel on and things like that. You know, these little silly things, you know what I mean, that you do when you're learning. So sometimes what happens is people know that in the, I guess, the non-addiction context. People know that. They know that it takes, I don't know, what is it, nine years to become a, a, a surgeon? I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know the time frame, but residency and all these different mm-hmm. things. Everybody buys it. Everybody goes, yep, yeah, absolutely. They know that it takes 30 years to pay off the loan on a house. And you have to work. And they, you know what I mean? All of these different things. But then when it comes to addiction, it's... It's so frustrating. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's like, like, no, uh, I, it's got to be that magic pill. So if, all you, if, if you could just please put a blocker on my phone, I'm good. I don't need to talk to anybody anymore. Well, okay, but this is going into, I think in, tell me, tell me if you agree with this. I think in order to actually be truly authentic, like totally aligned and all this kind of stuff, I think that requires vulnerability. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so 
the reason that is such a hard thing to achieve is because vulnerability is scary. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's like, I think that's the hard, but I, it's like, I want to just tell everybody like that equals freedom though. Right. Like right. the heart, the hardest thing that you're going to do, like that's how you get free. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, talk to me about just, okay. The idea of men in addiction going through the process of learning how to be completely authentic with their spouse. Because I think that is such a key. And what what happens a lot, um, uh, particularly in the first couple months of kind of navigating, like I'm in addiction and now I'm trying to get into sobriety and I'm not in recovery yet, a lot of what happens is this whole like, well, let me still protect her and let me qualify this behavior and let me lie about this and let me hide this, right? right? And so it's very much a process of like, I think the process of healing for addiction is coming out of the darkness and into the light, right? And that's how you get rid of the shame, right? That's part of becoming an authentic person and living into integrity. And then part of that is practicing by being vulnerable and exposing your stuff to your spouse. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I just, I can recount my own experience. I remember trying to qualify right early on, and uh, it didn't always go well because it, it's foolish. It doesn't make sense to you, right? So the to the addicted person, it makes sense, right? This notion of qualifying and let, yeah, let, I let only me get did this and I didn't do this. Right, right, yeah. It wasn't it was, that it, bad it, it because wasn't, it wasn't X Y Z. Yeah, yeah. So and and you do that because it's a denial. It's a defense mechanism because you're not quite ready to come to grips with what you've done. It's just, it's really, really hard to, to do that. And that's just part of the process. And then I remember saying, okay, I'll answer any question you had. And I remember you would like bring me these, like, you know, as you were on your super sleuth Sherlock Holmes, you know, thing. And I'd be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, yep. I remember you. Yeah. It, you didn't even remember a lot of yeah, it. Like I like, would find things like, that you had no recollection right, of. Right. And I'd be like, yeah, well, I, and I but, would stop denying it. You I know, know but I mean? let's talk about that just for a minute because I think that's an important note that um, you actually, in some weird sense, were not actually fully aware of everything that you had done. Right. And so I think the process of me bringing things to you brought it up to the surface in a way where you were like, oh my gosh, that was so many years ago. Yeah. Like the date on that email was like, yeah, so many right, years ago, right, it, was, it was further, yeah. it started further back than I thought. And right, it was yeah. deeper earlier than I thought. It yeah, was more problematic yeah. earlier than I right, thought. Right, and yeah. then, um, and then I think having to go through the disclosure process, right? Which yeah, is a very like, yeah. I don't know if intricate is the right, right word, but. Um, it's detailed, it's deep. You know what I mean? It's very it's intentional. Yeah, like it's very it's, intentional. It's really yeah. Process and, to right, get right. Yeah. The whole story. And, and not only do you prepare it and read it and reread it and you read it to your therapist and then you sit with your spouse and you read it to her. And it took and a while to hard. C- compile it. So I think right. that process too was like kind of bringing into awareness. So like the addict lives in a state of sort of kind of reality and then a completely fake reality mm-hmm. i think what disclosure does and what this process of recovery does is it forces you into the actual reality that the yeah. rest of us have been living there is in. no fake reality it's all reality yeah right and so and and that's where it's like yeah you actually did email this person like in 2011 or you know whatever and you're like oh my gosh and then you have to you know present this document to me and everything and you go wow that's like got a lot of stuff in it and Mm -hmm. when I took the time to sort of comb through the decades right and so 
that was hard. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard. In recovery, but then do answer it separately. What do you feel like is the benefit? Well, let me back up for a second before I ask that question. I think sometimes there are relationships where pe- where secrets versus privacy, right? And some people think it's okay to have a secret in a marriage. And I completely disagree with that. I think in a relationship you can have privacy, certainly, when it's warranted and you have trust and it's valid, right? But a secret from your partner, I think, is going to destroy the vulnerability and the intimacy at well, a some point. Well, secret grows, it metastasizes, it can get, it can get bigger, right? Right, and yeah. so, okay, so... so a secret's the, almost like a lie, and so, you know, that what becomes well, hard... Well, in a lot of cases it is, yeah. Yeah, what becomes hard with the lies, is, that's why it's always easier to just tell the truth, because then you can't remember what you said and what you said to cover it up, and... All of these things. So I think really sometimes twisted. partners go, we're doing so well. There's just this piece that like he doesn't need to know or she doesn't need to know. Like I just, we're doing so well. I don't need to tell her that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think at this point, you know everything about me. Right, right. <laughs> I know everything about you. Yep. Uh, it was a really difficult process to get to that point. Mm-hmm. What do you think the benefit to that is and do you think we could be in this place had we not gone that far i think um there's a lot of benefits so i think the first thing is to be known there's something about being known but then finding out that people still care for you and so that it's a real um you recognize that you hurt them but like knowing that you want to be with me like the day after or the day of our disclosure right we went to dinner and so there's something to that like i just told you the deepest darkest parts we of did me. oh the day of our disclosure yeah, i was like the yeah. first day no yeah, the I deepest mean, darkest day, you know in. secrets that i thought i would carry to my grave the fact that like keegan you know hugged me and like still called me dad like so all these different things and so and then in in the course of, of sharing the story in some way with other people, people are like, hey, yeah, I, I get it. You know, and, and you'd be surprised when you talk to other addicts or, or you tell a room about the whole sexual addiction thing. How many folks will come up and go, yeah, that was a part of my life, too. Or, yeah, I had a brother who had those issues, too, man. You know, and it re- well, and this it's is really amazing. I think it's really important to share your story mm-hmm. in appropriate circumstances. Right, right. Um, because I think hundreds of thousands of people if not millions of people feel alone when you are the furthest thing from being alone so i do think we should do a separate episode on that i think it's so important mm-hmm. but go ahead so but i think yeah. authenticity plays into that because if you don't feel aligned mm-hmm. and, you know and you're still afraid of what people are going right. to think then that's not going to happen right so. yeah so the second you know so that's the first thing is like you know putting yourself out there and people People accepting you, people loving you, people coming alongside you know, coming alongside of you, and and let's be let's be clear because sometimes you know if 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 you go through a disclosure with your wife or you find out, you have to expect there's going to be some sort of anger, some sort of um, you know tears, whatever that may be, um, and so I'm not talking about like 
at the moment. I'm talking about over this time. You know, both of you have, have you know everything about me. I mean, there isn't, you know, and I made the mistake as we covered in an earlier episode of reading Keegan the disclosure, right? So he knows, he knows everything. He knows everything too. as well. Yeah. So um, we do not encourage that. Yeah, please don't <laughs> do that. At least not in detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please, please don't do that. But then I think the second thing is there's no longer this part of me that I was deeply ashamed of, mm. right? And so, you know, when when you talk about integrity and I would coach people on integrity and honesty in the workplace, you know, and all these different things. And, and so um, I always felt like a fraud. And, you know, before discovery or whatever, I felt like a huge fraud. Mm. And, and so I don't feel like a fraud anymore. You know, I feel like, hey, this is who I am. This is my story. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, you know, but... Sometimes I feel like if you don't like it, well, maybe that says more about you than it does about yeah, me. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say earlier. You know? I think it's um, not not in an in-your-face kind of right, way. Right, not but, in a negative way. It's just yeah. like, you know, okay. Like, we don't have to be friends or, you know, yeah. you don't have to follow me on social media. If it offends you that I'm talking about this, right, you know, that sort right, of thing. But yeah. <clears throat> just the number of people that need to hear the story. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the number of people that need to see somebody that got into recovery. The number, I think, one of the messages that I was like when we started out. One of the messages that I really wanted to share with people is, first of all, recovery. Right? Like it's possible on both mm-hmm. sides. Like that Absolutely. was a big thing. It was yeah. a huge thing. But also just like this disease versus trauma, the trauma model. I found that like that was like going to be a really key point that I really wanted to talk about. And then I also was like, it's not everybody's story. But it is possible to recover without relapsing. And that was such like, I feel like in the world of addiction, such a weird thing for people to hear, right? Um, like, no, there's no way. Like when, um, like very early on, very early on, I was I was told, expect him to relapse. He will relapse. Very definitively yeah, told. Yeah, I was that, told like, that too. Like, you are going to relapse. Well, and someone told me as the spouse, like right. he will. So yeah. like, just be prepared, right? And I was like, but. I don't think he has to, you know? And mm-hmm. so, yeah. And so those were some messages too that I, I was like, I just really wanted to to share with people and encourage people. Like it doesn't have to be like the way that you've heard doesn't, that doesn't have to be your reality, you know? And um, anyway, we're getting a little off topic here, but yes. um, so, okay. So you think, so being authentic, sharing your story, that's been very beneficial to you in the long run. I really, again, for me, I think more people question why I talk about it than they question, you know, you running groups or you being on the podcast or you sharing your recovery journey, right? Mm -hmm. And I get a little offended about that, to be honest, because it's like, it is my story too. And it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. It was incredibly traumatic. There were long, long term effects for that physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the women are allowed to share their lives and their story too and get support and stuff like that. But, um, for me, because I wanted to move into coaching and I've always kind of throughout my work, I've, I try to help people and I try to coach people and, um, it ends up being a very personal thing for me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I knew I was like, man, this is like, this is horrible. I want to be able to help people through this and I want to be able to help them through it effectively. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, guess what you have to do? (laughs) I got to talk about it. Right. And so I had to start sharing. I remember the first time in a support group surrounded by women that had husbands that have done similar things, how embarrassed I was to even talk 
and to share it, right? So like this is not, if you look at me and go, well, Kylie's on social media and Kylie's on a podcast and all this kind of stuff and think that I have no shame, no no embarrassment, no nothing, that I'm just like this bold, extroverted person that mm-hmm. talks about everything in my life. I'm not that person. Like that's yeah. not actually, like you watched me go through this. Mm-hmm. And saw how hard it was for me to talk to people, yeah. like, and how hard it was for me to open up. And and I really, really had to work before I went public on social media and stuff like that to kind of tell people, like, hey, this is our story. We are in recovery. We're doing well. We want to help you come into recovery, too. And ultimately, like, that was the mission, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, okay, we're not just sharing it to share it. Like, we're sharing it. But because I wanted to do that, it does in my life. Um, create this level of authenticity where it's like, kind of like you, it's like, man, everybody knows our story, right? People online know our story. Mm -hmm. Our friends know our story. Our family knows our story. um, People at church know our story, you know? And so we don't have to be different people when we go different places. And I think that's what I'm trying to like draw it back into as like, I get, I get to, I'm allowed to, I am free to Mm -hmm. show up as myself with all aspects of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is a really, really cool thing. And again, the way that we've done it and to the extent <laughs> that we've done it is not what we're, we're not saying, yeah, oh, yeah, everybody you, have a podcast. Well, you, you That's not what we're saying. You don't have to have a video that gets two and a half million likes. No, but I think to, to wrap it up is like, how, how do you know you're living in authenticity? I think it's when that shame piece is really gone. Yeah. I think yeah. it's when, oh, somebody's going to find out, like doesn't freak you out. Right. Right. Because yeah. you know who you are and you're mm-hmm. confident in your story and you know where you are. Right, right. I think that's a big piece of of knowing that. I think so too, and I think I think it's you know understanding the world around you, right? So you know, and 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 it, it is shame exists, or the desire to shame exists around sexual behavior. Churches do it. You know, they have a staff member that that acts out. They kick them off. You know, they you know, they they throw them off the bus or throw them in the water or whatever. You know, whatever you want to say. So shame is part of it, and. And that's okay. That's, you know, that's, I mean, maybe it's not okay, but my point is you don't have to tie your own level of self-confidence and your own level of congruence to the reactions of other people because you can't control those reactions. You can't control whether whether Billy Bob and Betty Smith are going to judge you because you came out and said, hey, I'm going through a process now where I'm trying to be better. I mean, and if they don't like it, well, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Do you and, think sometimes people are, are actually triggered because they've gone through something similar and maybe didn't feel comfortable sharing possibly, their story or possibly. maybe didn't yeah. get the support that yeah. I mean it could be the way they were raised or the way their parents taught them to handle things like this. You know, I mean there's a there's a reason why churches publicly shame people for whatever reason that took root somewhere. And it's determined that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen everywhere. I mean, it certainly didn't happen in our case, right? Um, but there's a reason why that's done. It's been a, you know, passed down. You know, churches inflicting generational trauma on people all the way down. Yeah, it happens at one of the churches I used to go to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, right. It's right. not. It's like still happening. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, you know, and you can't control that. But what you can control is you can control your own pattern of healing. You can control your articulation of the vision that you want for your life and maybe your married life and your parental life and and your work life and all of those things. You can control how you how you do that. Mm-hmm. And if you do that. And if you continue to pursue that, then all those other things, the Billy Bobs and the Betty Smiths and all those things, it's not going to matter. 
it's really not going to matter in your life. You're going to walk through life and, you know, and, and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the last thing to, I would just wrap, wrap it up with is like, how, again, how do you know that you're living that way? That, that you are an authentic or conversely, like, how do you know, okay, maybe I still have some wounding to work on to get to that place, um, would be, you know, how worried do you get about what other people are going to think about you? Like you were just saying, um, but also, um, really getting clear on what your values are, because if you are living in total alignment with that, you're going to be living more in integrity and more in authenticity versus if you are like, well, I want to do this, but what I'm finding is that I'm living into this other, other pattern. That's not congruent, Mm -hmm. right? Like that Mm -hmm. is, you're living in some sort of conflict and that, that was you and your addiction. Right. Right. And then I, I'm sure I had a lot of that sort of internal conflict where it's like, I'm moving towards becoming authentic. I'm moving towards, I'm, I'm behaving this way and I'm sharing my story and I'm telling people and I'm doing the thing, but it's still really awkward, you know, and you're like moving through those things. And I think you really like, that's a sign. Okay. Well, I have more work to do. It's still painful. I still have shame around that. Right. Until you get to the point where it's like, no, this is just who I am. And you can, you can accept me or not accept me, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I, I know that I am living in my values and I know, um, who I am and, um, I would love for you to accept me and I would love to be in a friendship with you. I would love to be in a relationship with you, but you know, if the, if that's not your cup of tea, that's okay. Right. But, and again, I think that says more about those people than it does you because it takes an incredible amount of bravery and, and courage to, to be vulnerable. And that's ultimately, I think what allows you to be authentic is vulnerability. Woohoo! If you're listening to this, it means you've made it through an entire episode. Part of recovery is spending time engaging in healing and self-growth activities. We are thankful that you chose our podcast to be one of those activities today. Make sure you reward yourself for that accomplishment. If you've enjoyed this episode or this podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please take just a few moments to leave a rating and review, letting us know your experience with Recover You. We not only love hearing how these episodes are helpful, but ratings and reviews help others just like you who are searching for recovery information and support find the podcast too. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week.